Welcome to Faith Church. Glad you are with us today. Uh, it's going to be a great day together. Uh, just a couple quick things. Next week is our Candlelight Family Celebration Service, 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m. next Sunday. Um, it's going to be a wonderful time celebrating. This is a great Sunday to uh, send an invite to those who do not go to church that are in your life. Encourage them maybe to watch online. It's a great first step. Or maybe come and sit with you in the service. It's a great Sunday to do that. I want to let you know a couple things. Next Sunday, uh, when you arrive, these doors will probably be closed, but in the lobby will be plenty of Christmas goodies and yummy treats for you to enjoy. Some time to celebrate and be with family. We're going to open the doors just before the service, so you won't be able to get in before that. Just wanted you to know that when my host bouncers are at the door telling you you can't get in to save a seat, there's reasons for that, and you respond with joy and cheer. Amen? And all of my hosts said, thank you, pastor. And then the following Sunday will be our Sabbath Sunday, December 31st. There'll be an online devotion at 9 a.m. What time? And it will be streaming exclusively on our central hub. So if you go to Facebook or somewhere else to try to find it, ain't going to be there. There's only one place you'll find it. It'll be on our central hub. And so make sure you log in there. Today we are continuing in Advent. And we are talking about the advent of joy. And we're going to light a candle today. Oh, hold on. Just had to crank the gas up a little bit. The advent of joy, Luke chapter 2, 8 through 11 says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the joy that is found in the arrival of your presence. Holy Spirit, would you produce your fruit of joy in our life so that others may be refreshed by you and they can taste and see that you are good. We pray this in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, showing us what love looks like. In the name of the Holy Spirit, who abides within us, we pray. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. The advent of joy, the arrival of joy. We, we've been looking at this idea of arrival, the waiting for someone, something to arrive. And here we find shepherds kind of minding their own business out on the flocks, guarding their flocks, rather, in the fields. And, and all of a sudden, an angel shows up and makes this announcement to them. I, I bring you good news of great joy. It's going to be that for, for all people. And it was the Savior being born. There, there was something of excitement and joy that was birthed at the arrival of Jesus into the world. 
You know, as we sit here on this third week of Advent, you, you, you probably, as we edge closer and closer to Christmas, have children in your home who are growing more gleeful and joyful and excited in anticipation of things filling the, the underside of that Christmas tree in your home. This idea that something good will be awaiting for me, something that's going to be joyful that I can't wait to see. There's, there's an anticipation of this arrival. And our kids are old enough in, in this stage of life where presents are already filling underneath the tree in our house and they still, with great joy, delight, and anticipation, and a little bit of jealousy, trying to count how many presents have their name on it. And when they see one with their name, a little bit of joy appears on their face. Because they know that mom and dad love them, and there's going to be something of goodness that they get to experience. Friends, as we sit here on this third Sunday of Advent, we see the joy the shepherds experience because God is good. And he brought some good news that brought an abounding amount of joy for all people. We find ourselves in a place where a growing joy of awaiting the arrival of the promise of God and waiting... For the arrival of God is not wasted time. You might be waiting for something to, to shift in your life. You, you might be waiting for a relationship to get mended in your life. You might be waiting for your circumstance to be altered in some way. You might be waiting and longing for God to answer a prayer that you've been praying. Can I just let you know, waiting is not wasted time. When you're waiting in the right environment. When you're waiting in the right way, it produces and cultivates and, and grows something in us. Just like Mary had to wait nine months to see the fulfillment of Jesus come to earth, to come alive in her. It was growing with anticipation. There was something that had already been conceived, but now was growing and being cultivated and being developed. Friends, in our times of waiting... There is something good being developed within us as we wait in the right environment. In Luke chapter 2, we, we read already about the shepherds hearing the announcement of Jesus' birth, but, but we get a picture of what does it look like to wait in the right environment for something to come about, for the promise to arrive. And in later parts of, of Luke chapter 2, we're going to meet two people, one named Simeon and the other named Anna. Simeon and Anna, these saints of old were waiting for something. They were waiting for someone. They were waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. Let's take a look at their story in Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 22, it says this, then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child. So at this point in Luke chapter 2, Jesus has already been born, shepherds showed up, uh, way in a manger happened, like all of these things, and we're a few days in to Jesus having been born, and they're showing up at the temple to fulfill the ceremonies of what you did when you had a son being born. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child, somebody say first child. If a, world's first, a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Pause. 
the principle of first offering to the Lord is a principle all through the scriptures. Pointing and culminating and continuing to represent and reflect Jesus given to us. The principle of the first is known by another word. Are you ready? It's the word tithe. Where we return the first to the Lord of all he's given us. In other words, tithing has been and always will be an act of celebration and honoring, reminding us that Jesus has come, will come again, and he is the first among many. What you do with the first helps redeem and renew the thoughts of what you do with the rest. The principle is here found in Jesus himself. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord. Either, check this out, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. You just thought it was a Christmas song. Two turtle doves and a partridge. And a... They got it from the Bible. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Somebody say, Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit had led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God. Many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce his very soul. So, so in other words, if you're wondering, Mary, did you know? Yes, she knew. Simeon just told her. <laughs> you listen to the song, Mary, did you know? Yes, yes she did. Simeon and the angel and other people had told her exactly what was going to happen. Verse 36, Anna, the prophet, was also there in the temple. Where was she? In the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel the, uh, from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was, walk, was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began to praise God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. We, we see in this text two individuals, Simeon and Anna, who were advanced in their years and experience from various circumstances and situations, but found themselves waiting in the temple often, looking, waiting, anticipating the arrival of Jesus the Messiah. 
They were waiting in the temple for him to arrive, waiting and longing and full of joy when they see him, full of joy when they know his appearing is coming, full of joy in this moment. The promise that we've talked about throughout this entire Advent season, the promise is the picture of hope that we have, and that is God himself. Last week we talked about how God himself makes peace with us and us with him through Jesus Christ. And we can have this wholeness and this peace through God. And our lives can be full of joy and love without measure, as we'll see over the next few weeks, because of this gift of the Son of God. We can experience joy in the waiting like Simeon and Anna did if we are at peace with God and have our hope rooted in him. This is how we can have joy waiting for the arrival of Jesus. Now, it's true. The Advent season is kind of twofold for us today. It is remembering and celebrating the first arrival of Jesus while ourselves growing with anticipation and hunger and longing for Jesus to return again. A time when he returns again and resets the world pure of sin and the dangers of evil, eradicating it from our midst entirely, where he wipes tears away from our eyes, where he brings joy to our hearts, where healing freely flows and there's no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more stain or pain from sin itself. And we together, finally with unveiled eyes, get to see God in his full glory, in his full being, in his full power, as he truly is forever. We get to see him. And he will never leave us again. Oh, how we are longing for the hope. How we are longing for the return and the arrival of Jesus yet again. And many of you, are sitting here in the midst of your life circumstances keenly aware of the pain of brokenness, the pain of loss, the pain of what it looks like to be a widower seven years into a marriage, the pain of longing to exit this life, but knowing God promised that it wouldn't happen until the Savior was born. Many of you know what it's like to pray for a son or a daughter who is far away from God right now, but you long to see the day when they return to the house of the Lord. You know what it's like to, to, to squeeze two pennies together hoping they somehow a nickel shows up. You know what it's like to pinch some things and, and squeeze some things and live tight and be frugal and, and try to do your best, but it feels like life just keeps handing you one more hurdle after another. You know what it's like to have really good friends only to have them move away and you feel alone yet again. The ache and the longing in our hearts and our souls and our, in our bodies we're waiting for him to return when he makes it all new and better. But we're not there yet. We see glimpses of it. We long for it. But we're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. The question is, how can we not become overrun by the waiting and the weight of our brokenness and instead find joy even in the midst of our waiting? 
of our longing, of the pains of something growing in us, like childbirth to come. How can we wait and find joy? Friends, it comes when we choose to wait in the right environment. Joy is from a flourishing life. And it can be found even in the prolonged waiting for Jesus to return if we will wait in the right environment. Where you wait, how you wait, with whom you wait matters to your life flourishing or not. Simeon and Anna both were waiting in a special environment, in a special way, and it allowed them to wait and still have joy, even though the weight of their brokenness was so, so heavy. How how can we find this flourishing life even when the world is so broken and depraved and it feels like nothing good is growing anymore around us? How do we have that? Where can we find that? Well, I think Psalm 92 gives us a glimpse into that very reality. How and where can this joy come from? Let's look at Psalm 92 together. We're going to read the, the 15 verses in the psalm and I think they're going to speak some, some truths to us about where joy can be found and how that flourishing life can abound in us. Psalm 92 verse 1 says this, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Lord Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning and your faithfulness in the evening. Here's, here, if, you, if you're struggling with what to pray for in the morning, pray for God's unfailing love to show up that day. And at the end of the day at night, how should you pray before you lay your head down? Thanking God for his faithfulness that you saw that very day. That you have survived yet one more day in this God-forsaken earth, it seems, and the brokenness hasn't overrun you. You can start your day thinking, God, your faithfulness, your love is going to be unfailing to me today. And at night, you can give him thanks that his love didn't fail you that night. And he says, it's going to be accompanied by ten stringed instruments, a harp, and the melody of a lyre. It's like a guitar instrument. In other words, instruments are good, they're biblical, and it's worth using when you worship. Number four, verse four, it says this, you thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. Can we read verse four all together? Ready? Let's read it. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. Says this, O Lord, what great works you do. How deep are your thoughts. Only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds, and evildoers seem to flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will be surely perish, and all evildoers will be scattered. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox, and you have anointed me with the finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. Verse 12, but the godly, they will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. He's contrasting the flourishing that it seems like the evildoers get at first, although they wither away, and the godly who flourish and don't wither away. Look at how he describes it. The palm trees, they're going to grow like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. 
even in old age. Now, you can define that however you want. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock, and there is no evil in him. Man, I, I, I hope that's my life. I've said it before. I want to be more fruitful when I'm 85 than I am when I'm 45. I want to be more vibrant and full of the life of God when I'm in my later years than I am in my mid-years right now. I believe that the promise of God as we follow Him and are, are planted in the right amount, there is a life of flourishing that does not diminish as we prolong our life, but rather increases as we are planted in the right environments. There's a fruitfulness that continues to grow. Friends, flourishing life comes from being planted in the right environment. If you want your life to flourish in the life of God, in the things of God, in a way that, that allows you to grow strong and healthy and vibrant, regardless of season or circumstance, where you're planted matters. Your environment determines your flourishing more than you probably realize. The people you hang out with, the, the, the groups that you run with, the influences that you listen to, the commitments that you keep, where you live your life, the environment you choose to be in will help you grow or it will keep you from growing. Planted, Scripture says, planted in the house of the Lord. We flourish in the courts of our God. I think joy is possible in our waiting for God to arrive when we wait in the right environment. Often, uh, when people are kind of new to our church, we'll, uh, I'll get to have a conversation with them at some point. And in our conversation, I will let them know that I have one desire for them personally. And my desire for for you and for them and for every person a part of our church is simply this, that you would flourish in your life of faith. I, I want your life to flourish. I want you to know what it looks like to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I, I want you to, to bear fruit in every season in your leaves of your life, not to wither and die. But I believe that in order to flourish in your life, it requires you to be planted in the right environment. And when you get planted in the right environment, tailor-made by God for you, to give you the right nutrients, the right encouragement, the right environment, the right ecosystem. If you get planted in the right greenhouse, you'll start to see flourishing happen in your life because your environment often determines your life's flourishing. But that also means that Faith Church might not be the best environment for you to grow in. I'm okay with that because my goal isn't to get you to flourish at Faith Church. My goal is to get you to flourish. And whether you flourish here or you flourish in another house of the Lord, greenhouse of God, I'm great with that. I just want you to flourish. Because the kingdom of God wants you to grow in the fruit and the life of God. Wherever that would look at. So I'm, I hold that very open-handed. And I'm very, very honest, man. They're coming to church, finding a new church, it's not easy, is it? Some of you been, were searching for churches forever before you came here. Some of you, this is the first church you came to, and you're like, 
I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of joy, a lot of life, and something has awakened inside of me. Some of you, your testimony is the very thing, that you got planted and rooted into this environment week in and week out, and your life has begun to flourish like never before. Why? Because when you're planted in the right environment, you start to flourish. If that's your testimony, would you just kind of nod your head so the people around you know I'm not lying and being crazy? See, heads are bopping everywhere. Why? Because the word of God is true. And the environment you plant yourself in matters to your flourishing life. But if you're planting and then uprooting and planting and uprooting, planting and uprooting, planting and uprooting, and you live a schizophrenic planted life, nothing really begins to flourish and grow in that environment. Simeon and Anna were planted. They were planted in a specific environment that allowed their life to flourish even in their old age. Even in their latter years, they saw the fulfillment of God, saw God do something in their midst. Friends, a flourishing life comes when we're planted in the right environment. Here's some things that we see from Psalm 92. Number one is this, that joy is found in the praises of God. What what does the right environment look like? It looks like this. It's it's joy that is found in the praises of God. Verse 4 says, I sing for joy because of what you have done. I sing for joy because of what you have done. Uh, Here at the end of communion, we we took some time to just give God praise. From our own lips, based on our context, as we start a new week, we want to remember his past faithfulness to us. And we began to articulate worship and praise to God. Why? We're praising him for what he has done. That's true. I think that's, that's the central part of what that verse is saying. But I can't help but have, listen to the English turn of phrase for it. Let me say it this way. Sometimes we sing, for, we sing praises for what he has done, and sometimes we sing for our joy. We've got to sing for our joy. Where in the moment, our circumstance doesn't make us feel all happy, happy, happy. It seems more like a crucible than a celebration oh, but I'm going to take a step of faith. And as I lift a voice of song to the Lord, watch joy begin to grow from within. There is a joy. Often we have to sing for our joy. We got to sing forward towards our joy, knowing that joy comes in our mourning, knowing that that he's put a song of praise in our mouth, a, a hymn to our God. That there's, there's a song of praise where we sing for our joy, not because everything is perfect in our lives. So Psalm, Psalm 71 verse 23 says this, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you because you have redeemed me. He didn't have to redeem you. He could have left your life moving on a highway to hell. But he's redeemed you. And that alone is worth our song. 1 Chronicles 16.33 says, The trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. In other words, there's a song of celebration that arises because we know the arrival of Jesus is going to bring justice to our busted world. Where he's going to take everything that is wrong and make it right again. 
And we're going to sing in anticipation of his second arrival where he makes all things new again for us and in our world. And so we're willing to shout and sing for joy. We're going to, like trees in the forest, going to lift the branches high towards the sunlight because we need the sunlight to survive. I love that in Psalm 92, it talks about being planted in the right environment. And here in First Chronicles, we're seeing that it's saying, man, like, like, like trees, we're going to wave our branches as we sing and shout for joy. There's an element of this that is so interconnected, and, and the thematic truths of it are so linked. Did you know that a, a tree has its branches growing towards the sunlight? Like, like branches will move and shape and bend in a way to get to the sunlight. Friends, if you are going to be planted in the house of the Lord and you're going to be a tree like the cedar of Lebanon that lasts and endures and always is vital and green, it's going to require positions and postures where you are willing to stretch your branches towards the sunlight of God, towards the light of the world, the Son of God. Why do we lift our hands and sing? To let the light in, to let joy abound, to gather the nutrients from the presence of God that we need because joy is found in the praises of God. Now, you didn't realize that the movie Elf was so biblical, but the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loudly for all to hear. See? The praises of the Lord bring joy. Joy is found in the praises of God. You know what I love about our church? Is that so many people will come in and come out, and the first time being among you, they'll leave saying, they were just happy. They were genuine, friendly, and happy. Like, they didn't, like, give me nasty looks. They were kind and joyful. You want to know why we are joyful people? Because we sing. We're singing people. Every once in a while, I'll stop singing on a Sunday. We'll start a new song, and the instruments are kind of lower. And you know what I love? Being, filling this room with your voice of praise to God. Because joy is found in the praises of God. Number two, I want you to see this from Psalm 92. And that's this, that joy is found in the gathered people of God. Simeon and Anna were at the temple, the place of God's presence. You and I gather in the house of the Lord week in and week out. Joy is found among the gathered people of God in the house of God. There is joy in this house. Not just because we worship and sing, hear me, but because we are gathered as the body of Christ in this place. And where two or three are gathered in his name, God says he's going to be there. It's the people of God that, 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 that as we gather together, joy begins to spark and spill over. There's something about being with the right friend in a moment that can bring you joy, isn't there? I remember sitting with some people recently and talking about how, how just being in each other's presence, like there's something of nutrition, like a nutrient of just being together. We don't have anybody like each other, and there's something just being together that, 
that brings something alive inside of us. Something about being with family, the people of God that just helps us find a sense of joy. It's the, it's the person that greets you at the door that, that smiles and all of a sudden it's contagious and, and you find yourself smiling back. It's the, it's the warmth of a good friend who after a long day know just the right meme to send to you to get you to start belly laughing a little bit. I think it's, it's having the right people gathered in your life that help joy grow even in the midst of seasons where it feels like you're waiting or it's weighty because of your own brokenness and your own pain and your own story. Psalm 34 and verse 5 says this, those who look to him are radiant with joy. We are the radiant people of God. Their faces will never be ashamed. First Chronicles 16.27 goes on to say it this way, the splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Where is the place of God? It's the house of God gathered with the people of God. God is in this place. And because God is in this place, because we are gathered in this place, friends, strength and joy can be yours. So you, you can leave this room today with more strength and more joy than you walked in. Why? Because joy is found in the people of God. Every year we get to celebrate with our serve teams. And uh, typically the second weekend of December where we have a dinner together and there's normally some really cool um, like gifts that we give out. <clears throat> People are like, hey, where'd you get that sweatshirt? Oh, it's, it's like salvation. It's a free gift, but there's only one way to get one. Right? And we get to gather as a team and, and we get to celebrate what God's done and we hundreds, we all fill in a room and we share a meal and, and you know what marks that night more than anything else? It's not really the gifts, it's not the food, it's not... I mean, we all leave that night remembering the joy that we got to experience that night, that there was some joy in that room. Because when we get together as the people of God, that's the place where God is coming alive. And there's something of joy that is stirred in our midst. And we look forward to that gathering every year. We, our staff looks forward to it. Our teams look forward to it. It's just a, a great night because there's so much joy. Because joy is found among the people of God. Gathered with people. I, I wonder if one of the reasons Anna a widower of 70 plus, 70, try and do the math real fast, 72 years, 76 years, 78 years, something like that. Y'all can read the text and do the math and tell me what number it is later. Over 70 years of her life, remembering the loss of the love of her life, but was faithful to show up among the people of God week in and week out, fasting and praying and waiting. It, it wasn't just the fasting and the prayer that probably did it for her, that helped her keep waiting and find joy in the house of the Lord and flourish in her later use. You know what it probably was? It probably was people like, like Simeon, who on Sabbath dinners would be like, hey, Anne, why don't you come hang out with our family? She wasn't just showing up to do some religious duty she was showing up as part of a people in a community. 
And they opened their lives to her, and she opened her lives to them. I bet you she probably served more dinners for other people who, like her, were sorrowful and lonely and feeling forgotten and forsaken. Friends, if you find yourself in that kind of season right now, maybe it's about opening your eyes and looking at the other people around you who also might be in your situation and season and saying, let's be the people of God together and bring some Christmas joy to each other. What if that was her cue, her pain, her waiting, her longing was to look at someone else who also was in pain and hurting and longing and said, you know what? Let's just be together and watch joy grow with us too. Maybe it was another family who invited her in. Maybe somebody's done that for you in your pain, in your sorrow, in your worst moments. Why don't you just come be a part of our family celebration and celebrate with us? Friends, that's what the people of God do. And joy is found among the people of God. Here's the third one. Joy is found in the provision of God. Joy is found in the provision of God. Joy is found in the provision of God. When I say provision, I don't mean materialism. I mean Messiah. Joy is found in the provision of God himself. It's found in the joy of God himself. See, we have a tendency to look around and compare our life with other people's lives, our material external realities with other people's external realities. In Psalm 92, the text is really, really clear. You're going to look and you're going to see people flourish, but don't worry, there are some evil people who are still flourishing, but they won't endure. There are other people who flourish, like palm trees planted in the house of the Lord in the right environment. They're going to grow. They're going to stay vital. They're going to stay green. They're going to stay faithful to the Lord, and the Lord himself will be their provision. There's a distinction, a contrast. Friends, don't fall into the trap this Christmas of trying to compare your story with some other person's story, trying to fit in and and make merry and do the things and do this and do that. Don't, Don't fall, young people, don't fall into that trap of trying to find more materialism compared to other people's materialism. It is a trap and it will burn and wither away. But the provision is not more material things, it's Messiah himself. Joy is found in the provision of God. Joy is found in the provision of God. Can can I say it this way? Joy is not a result of just favorable circumstances, but rather it's a gift received from God as we pursue Him during life's challenges. The oppression of that the people of God were experiencing as they were waiting for the Messiah to arrive was unreal. The grief and the pain and the heartache that many of God's people were longing to see remedied was growing in their hearts. Many of us look around our world. We see our situation, our circumstance, and the world itself as broken and fragmented. And friends, can I tell you, the longer, the longer I pastor the more I cry out for God to return. 
Because the longer I pastor, the more I sit with other people in their pain. Their longing to go home and see Jesus. Their desire for the sickness that's riddled their body to be remedied. Their pain of a broken family and marriage fallen apart after years of stability now unstable again. And the heartache and the cry in this season, this time, especially around the holidays, where we find ourselves, where, where the first Christmas after grandma dies, the first Christmas after dad is gone, the first Christmas just seems to crush you instead of bring you cheer. The longer I walk this life in this role, the more I find myself longing, Jesus, will you return? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But I came to remind us today that joy is not the result of favorable circumstances. And you might be in one of those situations where it is anything but favorable. It is not the script that you had lined out for your life. I came to tell you that you're not alone. And I came to tell you that joy isn't a feeling. Rather, it's the product and fruit produced by choosing to stay in the right environments. I think we're reminded of this when we look at Nehemiah chapter 8. When the people of God were still recognizing that their walls had been torn down, their history, their story was feeling like in ruins and devastation. And they found themselves in a place of deep grief. And they began to uncover the scriptures. And as they were reading the scriptures, there was something of joy that started to spark in them. And they heard these words in Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. It says, Then he said to them, Ezra said this to them, Go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared. Since today is holy to our Lord God, do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. He was telling them a few things. See, joy is not a fake it till you make it with a false smile. Joy isn't pretending everything is okay when you know it's not. See, they were in grief. And and God was reminding them, it's okay. Grief is good. But if you're not careful, you'll turn so inward in your grief and never come out. He's actually giving them a little bit of a roadmap to recovery after moments of grief in their life. Here's the roadmap. Gather with friends. Have a good meal. Drink something delicious in moderation. And give some to someone else who also doesn't have. In other words, stop looking inward. And ask God to show you people around you that you can be with in this season. What is he providing to you? What is he bringing to you? Joy is found, friends, in often moments where you sit and have a good meal. Even when you don't feel like you can have a good meal, sit and have a good meal. Sit and celebrate. Drink something sweet that tastes good. And send portions to those who have nothing prepared. 
remembering the bounty of what God has given you wasn't just for you to consume, but for others to share in too. This is where the joy of the Lord is found, and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. The joy of the Lord will be your strength when you choose to be in the right environments. The joy of the Lord. Some of us don't have strength for this season because we're not in the right environment where joy, which brings us strength, can be found. Maybe it's calling a friend and just saying, I'm struggling. Can we just be together for a little bit? And you'll find some joy in those moments of a good coffee conversation, of dinner together. The joy of the Lord is is your strength. For this day is holy. This day is holy. This day is holy to the Lord. The psalm that we read in Psalm 92 in your Bibles if you have headings over chapters, you'll notice that Psalms 92 is called a song for the Sabbath. The holy day of the Lord that Nehemiah was reminding the people of through Ezra. Song for The song that you would sing when you gather with the people of God to worship on the holy day. A song to remind you of God's faithfulness and His love in the morning and His enduring goodness in the evening. A song to remind you that as you take a day like Sabbath and you stop from your own work, you stop from your own grief, you stop from normalcy of life, you stop and have a meal and remind yourself who God is, that He is our provision and Messiah has come. And we stop. And we remember where he had been faithful. And we stop and we sing about his coming faithfulness. Joy of the Lord is our strength in those moments. This is why we gather week in and week out in this space. We sing for our joy because joy is found in the praises of God. We gather with the people of God because among the people of God there is joy. And and we remind ourselves that God is God and we are not. And joy is found in the provision of God himself to us. And we walk out of this place with strength and joy. Because that's God. He has arrived and he brings joy to us, regardless of our situations and circumstances. Would you stand with me as we close? bow your heads close your eyes maybe there's a lot that you have on your heart and mind today that you know you're grateful for would you just begin to recall God's faithfulness to you over the years just allow the recognition of his past faithfulness to produce some joy in you in this moment some of you don't feel very joyful. Your circumstances certainly feel more like a crucible than a time of celebration and cheer. Would you just begin to cry out for God's unfailing love to show up in your life right now? Just welcome it. Just say, God, show me your unfailing love today. Lord, as we stand here among your people in your presence, we are reminded of the word of your promise and your provision to us. You are God with us. 
So Lord, we acknowledge that many of us feel weak and we need your strength. We acknowledge today that many of us are brokenhearted, God, and we need your wholeness and your peace. Many of us, God, are waiting and waiting and waiting for something to change. Would you allow your joy to sustain us? God, would you help the enemy to not steal our song anymore so that we can lift a song of praise even when things seem bleak? Jesus, would you meet us in this moment? Sustain us. May we have that strength like ox as we abide in you and you abide in us today. Restore to us the joy, Lord. May we bear fruit of joy in our lives. Lord, keep us planted in your house. Thank you, Lord. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life and someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.